0: Well, hello family. Here we are at the end of an amazing journey through the letter of James. Today we are coming to the final moment uh, in reading and studying this letter together as we conclude our Living HD series, being hearers and doers of the Word. And I believe as we conclude this that there will just be a sense of celebration of what God has done in our own lives personally and as a body in walking through this letter, but also a sense of expectation of what our lives will be like from this moment forward, living in high definition. I I am quite a sentimental person with these kind of things. I want to take a quick moment and just let us go through this journey briefly of where we've been over the past week. So starting us off in the first week, we spoke about trials and how God uses our trials to shape us and bring the best out of us. And then Matthew took us to the the part in the the letter that's all about the series, being hearers and doers of the word, that we've got to hear the word often and regularly and then do that which we hear. We spoke about segregation, how God has not called his church to sit, to to place people in, in, in various categories and treat them differently, but treat everyone the same. Anthony spoke to us about fruitfulness, being fruitful in, in our walk with God, not just having our faith, but showing our faith by our works. And that equals friendship with God. And we spoke about the tongue and how we can choose this tongue to either bring a, a forest fire or to produce a field and a harvest of righteousness. Simeon spoke to us about the conflict that we find within the church body and how we should not be a community who cuts one another, but a community who carries one another and last week, we did a great job in speaking to us about how our planning needs to be aligned to God and to His Word. So here we are this morning to conclude this journey in the last few verses of this incredible letter, such a practical letter. And my prayer is as we open up the Word now and, and read through this last few verses that you would hear Holy Spirit speak to you and you would hear the admonishment of scripture in a way today that you can say from this point forward, I know that I can live a high definition life, uh, being a hearer and a doer of the word. So let's open up our Bibles to this last part. We're going to read James 5, verse 7 to 19 together. And I'm going to read from the ESV translation. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it And you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. But let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church Yes, Lord Jesus, we pray this morning as we come to a final moment in this letter that you would speak so beautifully and boldly to every heart and that we would be be able to take that which we learned today and, and apply it in our lives. Holy Spirit, will you come and anoint the preaching of your word and may today be a celebration of an incredible journey in how you have been leading us. And we trust you for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Awesome. This morning, I'm going to title my message, Patient and Prayerful Expectation. Patient and Prayerful Expectation. James is writing these final words in this letter. And I want to take a moment to remind us to whom he's writing. He's writing to the dispersed church from Jerusalem, how they have been dispersed across uh, many places. And he's speaking to them and, and he does something. He, he tells them, guys, that there is going to be a reunion there is going to be a regathering Jesus is on his way back and he tells them that there's a sense of expectation that we as the church of God can live in with Jesus coming back and within that we see him speaking about two strong ideas being patient that word patient comes up so many times and then being prayerful And it's as if James was saying, Church, the best way for you to live in this expectation of Jesus coming is to do so with patience and to do so prayerfully. James gives them a vision again of what is still to come. He didn't only want to write to them of that which has been and how they ought to live now, but he places in their hearts and in in their their vision that Jesus is on his way back. James 5 verse, wait, strengthen your hands because the Lord's coming is near. And he does such a critical thing in in that which church leadership is called to, to continuously put vision in the hearts and the minds of the people. And the vision he gives them is not just a vision of a grand church, not just a vision of amazing things to do, but the vision that Jesus Christ is coming back. And within that he says, church, it's important to strengthen your hearts. To make sure that your heart remains steadfast and truthful and faithful and strong until the day that Jesus Christ returns. And this is how you do it. You do it with patience and you do it prayerfully. You see, the church is powerful in her patient waiting for her groom to arrive. There's something about that waiting upon Jesus that proves the power of who we are trusting and who we are following and who we know is the head over the body. And I want to say every nation of the West, for whatever seasons are still ahead of us, let us find our power and our strength in that waiting, like the church that James is writing to, for that glorious day that Jesus is coming. Yes, in this life and in this world, there's so much that he has for us. But let us not neglect to know that when he returns, we will step into the full, fullness and the glory of which he has for us. The Christian life has to, at all times, keep this vision in front of us that the Lord is coming, that Jesus is coming back. And James said, guys, I've said much. There's a lot that I needed to address, there's a lot that I spoke about, there's a lot that I called out in you and I addressed some sin and some brokenness and some things that you need to work on, but if I want to leave one final thought with you, let it be this, that Jesus Christ is coming back and that is glorious, so patiently wait for it. So this morning I want to look at two things that he encourages us in our patient waiting and then I want to look at four prayers that he encourages us to pray. First of all, he says, be patient in all seasons. He uses the analogy of a farmer, a farmer who has faith that when he plants his seed and prepare the ground and and knowing the seasons, a farmer having faith that all he can do is what he can do and then sit back and be patient for the rain to come and for the seasons to do what the seasons need to do. He uses this analogy to to tell us as the church today that in whatever season we find ourselves, let's be people of patience. Let us understand that patience is that ability of shifting our own efforts, of trying to achieve stuff and making stuff happen back onto Christ Jesus and waiting on Him to do what only He can do. He says, like a farmer who works his field, will you work the field that Christ has entrusted to you? Will you work your fields of relationships? Will you work your field of faithful deeds? Will you work your field of, of restoring those who fall away from faith and will you work your fields of, of planning your life according to God's purposes and His plans? Because when you do that, you can sit back and patiently wait for Jesus to do his part in the journey. And this really made me think about something that has been really at the, at the front of my life lately is how God is been encouraging me to find Him in the mundane, to find Him in the everyday, ordinary things of life. Sometimes, and it's my nature because I'm, I'm, I'm a person that likes to be exuberant and, and excited and, and have things to do. I, I always try and find God in, in the amazing, big, out there things. But, but James is saying, be like a farmer in the season of waiting. Do what you can, work your field, And sit back and let the seasons happen. And sometimes those seasons are hard. Sometimes those seasons are long. Sometimes they're cold. Sometimes they're like scorching heat. But have faith that you are followers of Christ Jesus. And you're part of His body. And He's got every season in His hand. And within that, He also addresses the season of suffering. He arches back to the first chapter in this letter and he reminds them where he started when he spoke, spoke about trials and different, different difficulties that we might face. And he says, especially in the season of suffering, be patient as you wait upon Jesus. Be patient for His answer today, but more so be patient knowing that Jesus will return and when He does return, all will be well and all our brokenness and our difficulty and the the hardships of this life will be done and dealt with and we will be in the place of glory with Him forever. And then He does something amazing. He says, I want to remind you of some who has gone before you and who was steadfast and faithful And patient in their suffering and he says there are those prophets those prophets that that we read and we follow and who we are a result of today who we are today as a community is a result of their work but look to their lives how they were patient in times of hardship and suffering and then he calls out a name that resonates to to these people and I know when I say this name speaks to all of us and that's the person Job he says let's look at his life He was in probably what one can imagine as the worst season of suffering. But Job 1 verse 10 tells us this. Throughout all this, Job did not sin in what he said. We know the story how the enemy came around to God's throne and said, Hey, I'm going to test this man. Would you allow me to? And God said, Yes. And there were some parameters put in place. And and then Job, uh, Job was struck again by the enemy and he lost all his possessions and his children. And in a second time around, the enemy came and, and, and he said to God again, I'm going to test him further because I want to prove to you that, that it's impossible for man to keep worshiping God when the good things of life is taken away. And God says, you may test him. You may not kill him, but you may test him once more. And he was tested with sickness as an individual. But through all of that, Job was patient in his endurance and in holding on to God. And he never sinned. So much so that at the end of the story, even, even his own friends coming in and sinning against God and, 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 God, against God and their words and, and trying to lure Job away from that place of being faithful and truthful to God. He forgives them. He prays for his friends. And then it says, and God restored to him double all his possessions. And he lived 140 years and he had sons and daughters and a whole heritage to leave behind. So James said, church Think of Job. Think about the worst season of suffering. Within that, be patient in your expectation of Jesus because He is coming back and our life here is temporary, but the eternal life is on its way and it will be good. The second thing he speaks about in our patience, and it seems to be a recurring theme and something that he really wants to stretch to the churches, he says, be patient with one each other. He says, do not grumble against your brother. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. He says, don't bemoan those in the faith, faith community that you are in. Don't bemoan your brothers and sisters. Don't grumble and speak out against them and, and harbor thoughts and negative feelings towards them. It's almost like throughout this letter, he makes this quite a, quite a focus point. And it's almost like he just once more wants to tell us. And I think if he could really say what he wanted to say, he would just say, can you just stop it already? Can you just stop your grumbling? Can you just stop your speaking out against one another? And once more he says, guys, I'm in my last few sentences of my letter. So let me just once more remind you to have patience with one another. Just stop your bickering and your groaning and grumbling and moaning and challenge of one another. Ephesians 4 verse 1 to 3 says it so beautifully. Paul writing, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let me take a moment to connect what James is saying to what Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus. He says the way that you walk worthy of the calling that you received from God is not in doing mighty exploits and massive things and, and an incredible, powerful and exuberant life. The way you do it is by being patient and gentle and humble and bearing with one another in love. And I think this is the same thing that James is trying to to bring to them. Guys, in this season of waiting for Christ's return, the best thing that you can do is to bear with one another in love. Because Jesus once said to us that they will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. And James just says again, don't grumble against one each other. Love one another with forbearance, with patience. And let that be an example of what it is to patiently wait upon jesus return i read an interesting fact that the average gap in a conversation of of silence before another response is is happening is only two seconds which means when someone speaks and there's a moment of silence the average is two seconds so quick to respond so quickly to speak and in light of that james also says let your yes be a yes and your no a no don't make promises and, 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 f- and swear falsely and make oaths to one another that you cannot keep. He's saying one of the ways that we don't grumble against one another and remain in a place of patience is taking our time to respond. Before you say yes, think about it. Before you say no, think about it. Be patient in your speech. So the patience expectation that we have is patiently waiting for the return of Jesus like a farmer in a field, working his field faithfully, knowing the harvest will come. And then we are patiently expectant of Christ's return, coming to fetch all of us, his entire body. And therefore we will be patient with one another. Which brings me to the second part of this message this morning. Let's be prayerful, expectant in what God wants to do in our lives in this season of waiting. James is saying don't only be patient but also be prayerful. And then he he mentions four things. We ought to be prayerful in suffering, in flourishing, in sickness and in repentance. And let's go through these four things that he mentions. He says first of all if you are suffering pray. Man I think about this one a lot because when I'm suffering Yes, I do pray, but I also like to do a whole lot of other things. I try to make plans. I try to speak about it. I try to, to get some alliances. I try to, to find some footing in it. But James says the best thing that you can do when you're suffering is to pray, is to commune with God to be expectant of the one who can truly and only set you free from your suffering or perhaps like Job introduced to you the purpose of your suffering because when Job was suffering, he says, the Lord might give and take away, but I will still say, blessed be your name. Therefore, when we are in a moment of suffering, the best thing we can do is to have conversation with God. It's to speak to Him. It's to go to Him. It's to come to Him. And this is the first thing that James says. So when those suffering seasons are there, be prayerful. Don't only be patiently waiting, but be prayerful. Wake up a little earlier. Spend a little more more time in the Word. And don't only read the Word, but pray the Word and the promises of God over your life. Be prayerful in your times of suffering. And then he says, but when it's going well, and when life is flourishing, and you are cheerful, then offer prayers of praise. We are so good to to run to God with the things we need. But when we are in seasons of those things we needed being supplied or when we are in seasons of being cheerful and joyful, let us also be prayerful and be prayerful in a way that we bring praise to God for the things that we have received from Him. So let's not only be prayerful in our times of hardship, but especially in our times where life is going well. Let us fill our mouths with praise. And then he says, be prayerful in in times where you are sick. He says, when you are sick, then call upon the elders of the church to come and anoint you with oil and and lay hands on you and pray for you. And then the faith of of that prayer a prayer of faith will will see you being healed and bettered. And I love this. He, He says, don't go and look for a healer out there who's got the gift of healing and ask someone specific to pray for. He says, within community... There's power when leadership come together around those who need prayer and lay hands on them and anoint them and trust Him for healing. And I've m- seen multiple times how we've exercised that within this faith community and God has healed. But that word healing is a double, double healing. It's not just the healing of, of the physical ailment. It's also the healing of the soul. Because sometimes in the sovereignty of God, He doesn't bring the healing of the body, but it definitely always brings the healing of the soul. So when you are sick, pray. When you are suffering, pray. When life is good and you're cheerful, pray with praise. And then when you are sick, pray again and, and get the leadership of the church to come around you. And then he speaks about a fourth prayer that I really want to focus on a little bit more this morning. It's the prayer of repentance. To be prayerful in repentance. He says this, therefore, Confess your sins to one another and then pray for one another so that you may be healed. See, repentance is a church family concern and we are all involved in it. He says, when you have made a mistake and when you have transgressed and you've missed a mark and you've fallen into sin, what do you ought to do? He says, well, come together. And confess that. That literally means to open up your mouth and tell someone within the faith community, I did this. Whatever it might be, you fill in the blank. And in that moment, don't just just listen to that confession, but take a moment to pray. He points us back to pray because there's an expectation that when we come with our confession and we pray for one another, that Jesus wants to come and heal and restore our soul again. 1 John 1 verse 9 says so beautifully that God is faithful that when we confess our sin, He will forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. No doubt there. So when you confess your sin to God, yes, there is a forgiveness and there is a cleansing. But James adds a third step in repentance. He adds a third step in this idea of confession. He says, when you confess to God, yes, you are forgiven and you are cleansed of that unrighteousness. But here's another thing. If you go and confess to those within the household of faith and they pray over you, then you will be healed. And again, this word healing here means one or two things. That there will be physical bodily healing. And we see through the ministry of Jesus that at times when he healed people, he spoke about their sinful lives that might have led them to that point. Paul speaks about this in in taking the cup of the Lord and and communion in an unworthy manner. He said, because you have done that in an unworthy manner. Some of you are sick and some of you have even died. So yes, there is a, a bit of a connection with sometimes our ailments are because of the lifestyle we live and the things we did. And God can bring healing to that. But let me just clarify here. What I'm not saying is that all sickness is because of sin. Some sicknesses I believe is, and we see it in scripture, but not all sickness. Sickness is just part of, of our life. But then he says, when you come with, your, with your, your sinfulness and your brokenness, and you bring it into the light, and the light has shown, and darkness cannot overcome it anymore, then there's a healing and a restoration of your soul. And this is what he is after. He says, will you live like that? Will you Will you come in and live openly? Not only have prayers of, of in times of suffering and have, have prayers in times of joy and have prayers in times of sickness, but especially come with your prayers when you're confessing your sins to one another. What could our lives look like if we are so beautifully honest about our brokenness that we get together as often as we can and say, oh, I've messed up here. I've made a mistake here. Will you please pray for me? And in that moment, we have the promise of healing. And then James goes to a further step in this journey of understanding prayer. He lifts the expectation a little bit more and he speaks about one of the most profound and possibly to this group of people, a favorite prophet. He speaks about the prophet Elijah. And he says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful in its effect. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. He says you know what church you know that prophet Elijah which we all know about and we've heard the stories of the amazing things he's done he was completely human just like you and me. But because of his right standing relationship with God, he knew that he could fervently pray and ask for high definition things to happen in his life. And when he did, he saw these things happen. So therefore, church of God, be expectant in your prayers. Come to God with bold prayers. Come to Jesus with prayers of faith. Come to Him with prayers that is supernatural and out of bounds because we aren't we aren't limited to our natural man just like Elijah was a man with a normal nature like ours he saw God move supernaturally and I, I really think that 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 James was saying to this church the second last verse of what he was trying to leave with him that live a life where you live beyond just the natural and what you see. A life in high definition is understanding that if we fervently pray as righteous men and women, we will see God do things beyond what we can ever ask, think, or imagine. And this is really where he leads us and leaves us lastly. And then he ends with a last thought. He says, you know what? Also, patiently and prayerfully lead others to living in high definition. He says, there are those amongst you who have fallen by the way, who have neglected truth and is not walking in the way of truth, will you be patient and prayerful in restoring them? And it brings us to what I believe is the essence of our Christian life again, that every single one of us have been called and commissioned to go into all the world and make disciples of all people. And I really believe that living in high definition is, is locked up in these last few words that we ought to go out and found those brothers and sisters the lost sheep the one who has wandered who has strayed off and say let me take you back to living in the life that Jesus has for you because he has HD high definition in store for you. So every nation summers of west as we come to a conclusion of this series let me charge you with this. Be expectant of what Jesus can still do in your life. Be patient when you have to wait for those moments in seasons where it's a little bit harder or takes a little bit longer than what you expected. But not only be patient, be prayerful. Be prayerful and joyful in the moments where you've got to celebrate and praise Him and and come to Him in the moments where it's hard and difficult. And and when you seek, call for others to pray with you. And when you find yourself in sin, share it with your brothers and sisters because none of us are perfect in any way. We all fall short and we ought to live in a life where we can say, you know what, I messed up. And then we lay hands on one another and pray for one another and, and restore one another. But then also, let's be reminded that even in our limitations as natural men and women, We have a supernatural God and if we fervently pray according to His purposes, according to His will, we will see the miraculous take place in front of us and we will see life in high definition. And to bring it all together, let us continue to be a disciple making family who reaches out to those who wanders off the truth and bring them back and restore them. And I believe that is the essence of living in high definition. Lord Jesus I pray for us as a church this morning I thank you Lord for this incredible journey of learning so much of your heart for us as your body of learning so much of how you desire for us to relate to one another and relate to the world and relate to your word and I thank you Jesus that you have done a deep and an immensely deep work in us and and in this community through these past few weeks. Lord, and I pray this morning that there would be a releasing again of us in our commission and our call to go out and live this Christian life, this high definition life that you have for us in such a way, Lord, that that we would continue to point to the vision that Jesus Christ is coming back, that we would love one another patiently that we would have our mouths filled with prayer, that we would have a prayer lifestyle, praying in every circumstance and at every opportunity and whenever we can, Lord, to get together and pray and confess, Lord, and that we would have faith that you can do things that we cannot in our own strength. And above all, Lord, that we would do it in such a way that we would reach out to our community and go and find those who are wandering from the truth and bring them back to you. Lord, I pray for a harvest in this house, Lord. A harvest of souls. A harvest of us reaching out and finding those lost brothers and sisters and bringing them in. Jesus, you said, look up and see the harvest is white. It is ready for the harvest to come. Go and save those souls, Lord. And I pray that we as a church would see our definition become more and more defined as we find those who you entrust to us to find with the loving mercy of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray as we continue into the rest of this year from this moment that you would continue to lead us on Lord and that we would be a people that when the world sees us and when our friends sees us and our family sees us that they would say wow they are truly living in high definition of the things of God and we ask you for that with bold faith and fervently this morning in Jesus name I pray amen